Blog Talk Radio. It's Saturday, April 2nd, 2016, and you're tuned in to another edition of The Misty Show. We're your premier source for fun and informative pet topics. I'm your host, Jay, and joining me once again for another Missy Show adventure is my lovely co-host, the D-Meister. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm fine, Jay. How are you? <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm doing good. You know, it's just nice to see some sunshine again today. And you know what? I survived April Fool's Day unscathed. I didn't, but okay. <laughs> Someone got me really good. It wasn't like a big God. It was like a work-related God. And I was like, oh, really? Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. And then at the end, they were like, oh, and by the way, I have to tell you the most important thing. I was like, oh, my gosh, what? And they were like, April Fool's. And I was like, oh, okay. You're good. I hate those. I hate yeah. April Fool's pranks. I hate them. And, I- and some people are just brutal with it, with with yeah. the trickery. I can't deal with it. So I just, you know, and I'm so gullible and so naive. Me too. Me too. Writing to it, like you know, the little do 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 do. Oh, there's candy over there on the other side of that big hole covered with leaves. <laughs> you know, just walk right in it. So yeah, I'm the one that you can get for April Fool. Come get me. <laughs> and normally, well, I I'm like that too. It just so happens that. None of my coworkers or family members really went that hard. I did have a coworker kind of fool another coworker, but they didn't bother me this year. So I was happy. I also just wanted to say, speaking of April Fool's, I alluded in an earlier blog entry this week that today's episode might be an April Fool's joke, even even though we are in the day after April Fool's. But I alluded to that, and I said that you would just have to tune in to find out. Well, let me just say. No worries. I'm happy to report that despite our episode title, this is indeed not an April Fool's joke. So today's topic really is about pets and pots. And we're pets and pots. So we're going to be exploring how marijuana affects animals. Um, Because in some situations, um, it's been stated that, you know, it might ease the suffering of animals with severe pain or terminal illnesses. Um, then there's the other side of it where people feel it's just plain toxic and shouldn't be used. So we're going to, you know, try to explore both of those and, you know, uncover the truth, if there is a solid truth. You know, it's probably different shades of that. But be sure to stick around as we explore those questions. But before we get into into today's topic, I want to give out the answer to yesterday's pet trivia question. And this one kind of leads into a future episode we're going to have I don't know if you remember, Dee, when I mentioned about the the wild boars and how they sometimes are destructive and they tear up people's property and stuff. And yeah. they're yeah. these we're people who people go out and hunt the boars and get them off the property. Yeah, and it kind of doesn't end well for them. Yeah. So we're we're going to talk about that probably um, not next Saturday, but the Saturday after that. So this question kind of just ties in with that a little bit. The question is, what is the difference between a pig, hog, and a boar? Ooh. 
they're Ooh. sort of sort of in the the same family. There, there was the Latin name for all of them, but I didn't. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. But first, <laughs> I will I will just say we'll, we'll break it down. So this is the difference between a pig and a hog. I think I kind of knew some of this, but um, there's a difference in age. Pigs are usually younger swine, and a hog is older. Okay. okay. Um, there's also a difference in size. Pigs are usually smaller, and hogs are large. Um, I think they will. Okay, here it is right here. Um, any swine greater than 120 pounds is a hog, and anything lesser than 120 pounds is a pig. Okay. Okay. I never knew that. <laughs> I knew they were related in the family somewhere. I knew they were like, you know, cousins or, or, you know, somewhere in there. But I never knew the difference between the two of them. I probably would have put them all in the same, you know, thing. Yeah, I think I knew a hog was bigger than a pig, but other beyond that I wasn't sure that I knew about any of that. Um, also, pigs are not ready to go to the market. They're not ready to be sold, you know, to be slaughtered. Hogs are. Oh, okay. So, oh. like, when we're eating sausage and bacon and all that kind of stuff, you're eating hog meat, not okay. a pig. Not pig, because they're not old enough yet. Yeah, pig. exactly. Yes. So, okay. that's the differences between a hog versus a pig. Okay. Then you have, okay, these are the differences between a hog and a boar. Because a, a hog and a pig are sort of in the same category. A, hogs are domesticated, and a boar is wild. Okay, hence the name wild boar. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Boars tend to be dark in coloration. They're usually um, either black or brown or gray looking, whereas a hog can come in many different colors according to their breed. Um, okay. Hogs are much larger than boars. And and actually, if you think about it, if you think about how a boar looks, this kind of goes with it because boars have a large head but a small body whereas a hog has a big head with an enormous body. <laughs> so the I guess the hog is more proportioned. He's just big throughout, whereas the the boar has a large head, but his body is kind of small. Well, you know, you've seen those, like, there used to be a show or something that would come on, and these people would go to different people's property because they would have different, like, a, a pack or a, a nest of, you know, bees that were overrunning or something where they would go and ex- extract the thing from the, the property. And one of the shows was that they had to catch, there was this wild boar on the property that was like terrorizing or whatever, and they had to go and catch the wild boar. And I did notice that the head was kind of, you know, the proportion, I was like, you know, that's kind of looks weird. It just kind of, you know, so I didn't, I didn't pay any attention. But now that you're saying that, I'm like, okay, that makes sense because I've seen it. Yeah. And they, they also tend to have thicker cover of fur um, compared to a domesticated hog. Because if you think about hogs and pigs, you I guess they have fine hair on them, but you don't see them as well. But with those boars, you can actually see that they have, like, hair. And they, yeah. they tend to be dark colored. And also with the boars, they tend to have tusks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kind of yeah. like panda. Yeah, you know what? It looks sort of like the prehistoric kind of, you know, thing that you have still walking on because they have those, like, elephant tusks coming out of their their face. Yep. So that that's a boar versus a hog. So 
just stay tuned. In two more weeks, we're going to be talking about the wild boars because they they can be destructive, but we want to get both sides of it. We want to, you know, potentially explore what they're doing and is there an alternate way to kind of just get them off the property? But let me not go into that. Let me not. In this particular show, and I could be wrong, but from what I said, I don't think that they ever really killed any of the animals that they extracted off of any of the property. They would try to find a way. I think even with the bees, they kind of put them to sleep, and then they contained them, and then they did something with them. But I think with the boar, they giving it off the property and putting it out into a wildlife or some kind of sanctuary or something where it could just roam free and be wild but still not be in a situation where it's harming a danger to someone else or something. So um, I guess there is a way to do it. <laughs> well, that's what we want to explore, and that, that makes me feel good that they didn't kill them at least on that show. But we're, yeah. we'll talk about that when we um, – and we'll get that scheduled. I'll probably get that scheduled by tomorrow or Monday. So if you already knew all of that, you're one smart piggy. But if not, don't fret. There will be more pet trivia questions next Friday on our blog at she'satorty.blogspot.com. Links from information used in today's episode can be found after the show on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash missy.show44 or on our Twitter page at twitter.com forward slash missyshow. Now on to Pets and Pot, How Marijuana Affects Your Pets. Let's see here. (laughs) Yeah, this this is a very interesting topic. Um, This information that I'm going to be sharing, um, first off, comes from High Times. And um, they're talking about uh, how pot actually works medicinally on pets in the same way it does for us because they possess endocannabinoid systems as humans do. Thus, they can be physically and psychologically affected by cannabis. As it does for humans, a system in cohesion with cannabis protects pets in many ways. For example, a 2012 study conducted at the University of Pisa in Italy found both the natural endocannabinoid system and consumption of cannabis compounds protects against the effects of allergic inflammatory disorders such as allergic skin diseases in dogs. Um, also, adding weight to the pot is good for pets argument was a positive, extensive May 2013 article um, published in the Journal of American Veterinary Association. Um, one LA pot patient told the journal that he gave his 24 year old cat a glycerin tincture made specifically for pets and that the feline is responding nicely. A West Hollywood woman gave her 12-year-old black lab who has liver and lung cancer a THC tincture in part because she didn't like the way the prescribed medication made the dog do nothing but sleep. The lab's owner now says she's a true believer when it comes to medical pot for pets. People need to understand that this isn't about getting my dog high. It's about improving his quality of life. So I thought that was important. That was an interesting note. Yeah, it's it's one of the things where, I mean, some of the stuff that I was reading was it's because it, a lot of people look at it as, I mean, I've seen stories in the news where, you know, the accidental, you know, the, the person has drug or some type of drug and the, they leave it out and the, the pet gets into it. And I guess it could be the same for marijuana, you know, but there are 
certain cases where it's not accidental, <laughs> it's intentional. And like you said, and it's intentionally used for, you know, certain, um, pro- like like with, with people that have certain cancers and certain ailments, they're kind of turning it towards the animals and they're using it in a way to help relieve those um, type of illnesses in pets. Right, because um, just just like how humans who are going through chemotherapy or cancer um, can become nauseous, unwilling to eat, and they struggle with constant pain, animals can be in that same situation. And we have some proponents for administering THC to them that say that, you know, pot can help the animals with that, which, which for me personally um, – I think if I had a pet who was terminally ill and it was in constant pain, if there was anything that I could give my pet that would help it, I think I would be game for it. But I I do support actually, you know, talking to your vet first and, you know, trying to come up with something because I know there are traditional routes to go with that. But if like in um, this lady's case where her lab wasn't really seeming to benefit from the traditional medicine, if THC could be, an alternative, you know, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, I just say why not if your animal is already terminal anyway. Exactly, and and that's the thing about it, you know, the different case studies on here where, and I think the biggest the biggest thing about this whole issue is, and, I, and one of the things, and Dr. Kramer, Dr. Kramer, he was, because was, he was someone who was a big advocate for the use of um uh, marijuana for for their dog for for animals. He first gave marijuana to his own Siberian husky, um, Nikita, when it was twelve, suffering from chronic pain, and they had a similar effect on that animal as it did to humans, where they increased the appetite and decreased nausea. You know, the the different things that you can you know suffer from, and it gave him six more weeks with his beloved dog before she died. So he was like um, one of the, I'm not going to say the pioneer, but he was a big advocate for the use of marijuana in treating certain animals uh, with with chronic illnesses. But his thing was, was, was he said that he's not, not necessarily where he's saying, yeah, 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 we need to use it, we need to use it. He used it for his particular dog, and it, it, it had positive effects. But what he was saying is the dialogue, because it, this, you know, has not been FDA approved. Right. There, there has not been any kind of um, approval or, or stamp of approval of, or, or, you know, go ahead and do this. This is safe from the FDA. So people that are using it are using it in a way where they haven't had, I guess, complete studies done. I guess there have been some studies done, but not studies where you, you, you can put it out there and say, yes, this can be used. We in the medical community, you know, and, and the FDA has said this is okay and this is how you should use it. I think there aren't any, like, guidelines out there. From what I'm reading, there aren't any set guidelines out there to say this is how much you should use, this is how much you should use for this particular animal of this size, and this is how it should be administered. And I, exactly. think, that's, I think that's the big kind of fight that's going on now is that there are there aren't, there's not enough study that has been done to to kind of give the approval to say, yes, this is a good thing. Even though you've seen results, I mean, all the little case studies that I've read have been, like, saying the positive things about it, 
you know, this has helped this dog, this has helped this animal, this has helped this animal. So you can see that there's some type of benefit there, you know, that can help another animal. And I'm with you, Jay. If it can prolong and give, you know, a little bit more time to your animal and keep them from being in, in pain and not having to go through the horrible, horrible, because I've witnessed it, you know, pain of, of going through, like, cancer. I mean, with my dog, with Mr. Boomer, um, just seeing him having to go through that, if there was something, because I didn't know anything about this until we, I didn't, when you, until you said something about it, Jay, I never thought about it. But now thinking about it, you, you know, some people do take certain marijuana for different illnesses. So if there's something out there, alleviate or prolong your pet's life, I'm all for their coming together between, you know, veterinarians and the FDA and everybody coming together to see what can actually be taken from this that can possibly add a quality of life, a prolonged life to an ailing pet. Because I, I know this is a very um, personal question, but I'm, I'm sure you probably, if it had been available and you thought it would have, you know, eased Boomer's pain better than anything they could have given him traditionally, I'm sure you probably would have done it if you had been able to get a hold of maybe some of those um, edible treats for the dogs or something that yeah. had it in there. I'm sure you would have given it to him. You know, you know, Jay, you know me and you know how I felt about my, my dog. I would have... <laughs> yes, Jay, I would have... I would have, I would have gone to the moon to to get you know whatever it was for him, you know. I, I'm not an advocate. I'm not a participant in that. But I would have found <laughs> aside from just rolling him up a doobie and putting it in his mouth, <laughs> if it would have brought him a quality of life and it would have taken him out of some of the pain and suffering that he had to go through, um, yeah, I I I, I would have been all for it. I would have. Of course, I would have wanted to be able to administer it to him in a way that was controlled and safe. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I would have wanted to be able to give it to him in a way that I was sure I wasn't creating more harm to him. So right, exactly. So why I am a big, you know, I, I think I'm a big advocate on, I think I'm the advocate on the side of let's look into this and see what there is and what you know, can be done to find out if well, it's obvious that in some cases it can be helpful. How do we, What? let's do some study. Let's get in here and do some research. Let's get in here and get some answers and, and see how this can be helpful. Because if this is something that's viable that can be used, just like you know that, you know, marijuana can be used for glaucoma and different things of that nature, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, if there's some, if there's, there's some, some, foundation to this where this can be used to treat animals that are going through different cancers and different, you know, whatever elements that can prolong, that can alleviate, that can give them a sense of, 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 you know, for the last couple of years, let them go out with a sense of dignity and in a sense of just not being in pain. I'm all for it. I mean, I, I, you know, I know some people might be on a different stance and that's your right to be there, but being a pet parent and having to see your pet go through a certain illness and just feel helpless and there's nothing you can do to help this pet. If there's something out there that I can give, that I could have given to him to help him ease his pain and help him, you know, kind of go and transition in a, in a, a, a more painless way, sign me up. I'm, I'm all for it. I'll roll it, 
give it whatever you have to give it. I'll do it because, you know, people, your pets are our kids. And I'm quite sure that a parent, if there's something out there, if you have a child, and, and, you know, not to be comparing it, but like I say, my pet was my child. And so if there was something out there for my child that could help them if they were going through and they were suffering and they were in pain, I'm going to move heaven and earth to get it. And I want to make sure that what I get, of course, is, is, is something that's not going to do more harm than good. So, of course, I want there to be studies out there. I want there to be, you know, some information and literature to tell me how to give it to them. So, you know, I'm, 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 I don't want to go out there and just grab it and, and give it to them and, and cross my fingers and hope, hope this works and hope it doesn't kill you sooner than you're going to go. <laughs> but, you know, I want to be informed about what I'm doing. And if, if there's just research, the, the block between, you know, FDA and vets and all these people that afford and these people that aren't against it, if there's just a thing of let's do some research and see if there's any kind of validity to this, then, yeah, I'm for it. And I will stand on the side of let's test, let's research, let's, See what kind of help we can bring to the animals because if it's something there, I'm for it. I'm all for it. And then I thought this was interesting too for those who um, just feel kind of you know wary about anything with the actual THC in it, which I think is the major component of marijuana. Um, on abcnewsgo.com, uh, I was I found this interesting that they say uh, most people breed cannabis for the euphoric experience of THC but they've been overlooking cannabidiol. I think that's how you say cannabidiol, commonly known as CBD, which is non-psychoactive. And um, actually CBD can be used to treat epilepsy, inflammation and pain, um, inflammation and pain relief. And Auntie Dolores decided to infuse dog biscuits as animals suffer from some of these same ongoing ailments. So some of these... um, dog biscuits, they just have the CBD in them and not the THC. So you wouldn't necessarily have to worry about your animal kind of having a psychoactive kind of issue. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, and that's that's, that's kind of what we need. That's what's needed, I guess. You know, to get in there and see, not necessarily where you're just going to, you know, roll up a whatever and give it to your animal and they're going to be high walking around but they're not going to be feeling any pain. It's not necessarily that. There's just a different way that it can probably be administered and a different way you can go in to get out a component that can help them, you know. Right, right. It's one of those things where I'm for and I want them to open up the dialogue of research and and trying to find out what, because, I mean, just from reading the case studies, it just seems like there's good here, there's good that can be done here, but they need to do some research and they need to do some studies to find out how to, what's enough for, you know, compared to a Chihuahua to a, you know, a Great Dane. What's the, the the ratio you should give to this pet as opposed to this pet? And right now I don't think that there's anything out there to say this is a safe amount to give to this and this is a safe amount to give to that. Or like you were saying, Jade, we don't necessarily have to get that hallucinogenic psycho, you know, part of it out of it there's another part that that's present that we can use that can be helpful exactly exactly so I, I'm, I'm all for research of it I, we, I think there needs to be a form of research and i may have touched up a little prematurely because on another article um 
because uh, the one that I just read from the abcnewsgo.com, uh, they were referring to treatables. And on USA Today, they also mentioned treatables and hemp for hounds. And I think what it is, they may they contain low levels of THC. So so it's not like the animal's going to be getting a high, but I think it's more about the CBD. And they may just have because they're made. These are made out of. Let's see. Most of the treats are made with hemp. And hemp just contains low levels of THC. So I, I guess it's just therapeutic enough to help them, but it's not going to, like, have them, like, out of their mind or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with with, with my dog, with, with Boomer, with you, because they give him pain medication. And that pain medication literally had him, I mean, he was a big boy at the end. And it literally, I mean, it was, it had him, literally we had, there's a hole in the wall, <laughs> bless his heart, there's a hole in the wall where he was in the hall, we had given him some of the pain medication and the, the the effects of it, you know, because of course it made him drowsy and it made him this and this. So he, he was trying to get up or something and it had him so looped and so out of it and so whatever that I could just see him in his eyes, him look at me and say, Mama, my feet are coming from under me. <laughs> and he just kind of like went off into the door and went. And, you know, so there's a hole in the wall where he he, he blessed it with his weight. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying that because I, something I read where they were saying that just because they say that, you know, marijuana is natural and, it's, it's you know, it's, it's from the earth and all of this stuff, that it's, it's totally natural. But I'm – I. I don't know. I would be interesting to know what the research would be if you put it up against something that kind of manufactured, you know, out there to 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 help your animal, where as opposed to something that I'm not going to say it's organic or blah blah blah, because I'm quite sure there's some a lot of people that can argue that that case, and I don't know enough to argue that case. But what would be the lesser of two evils if you you know kind of gave it to them? Right. Um, to be. Um, fair to to just kind of speak the other side of it. Um, marijuana is still listed as um, something toxic to animals on the pet poison hotline. And I was just gonna you know read some of the symptoms that dogs and cats can go through if they get exposed to marijuana. Um, dogs and cats can be poisoned by marijuana from secondhand smoke exposure or from direct ingestion of marijuana or baked foods such as pot brownies, pot butter, etc laced with THC. In dogs and cats poisoned by marijuana, clinical signs can be seen within three hours and include severe depression, walking as if drunk, lethargy, coma, low heart rate, low blood pressure, respiratory depression, dilated pupils, hyperactivity, vocalization and seizures. Vomiting is often seen with dogs despite the anti-emetic or anti-vomiting qualities of THC. So basically, anybody out there, don't blow smoke in your pet's face. Don't don't do that type of stuff. Because you got teenagers, you got just people out there just wanting to do something for fun. Don't don't do that. If 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 your pet's not terminal, not, and even if they are terminal, I wouldn't advise doing the straight straight up just blowing smoke in their face or feeding them brownies or something like that. Plus, chocolate and dogs not a good combination. No. And the thing about that is, is also you know if you're using you know be aware that just like secondhand smoke, you know, you're not necessarily smoking to infect others, but second, as we all know, 
secondhand smoke is not, you know, people have died from the exposure to secondhand smoke, so I'm quite sure. I'm not saying that you could die from the, sec- the exposure of secondhand marijuana smoke, but I'm quite sure that there could be something that, you know, just like if, if you were someone by someone who smoked and you inhaled that, the dog, that you're not necessarily blowing it in the face, but you're smoking it around them. So mm-hmm. they are in the same room with them. Yeah, exactly. So they are, you know, open to that whatever comes with that secondhand smoke from marijuana as well. And I, I found this interesting um, on this other article, the High Times, they were saying other non-cannabis factors can play a role in harming an animal for which pot has been erroneously blamed. For example, you wouldn't give hash brownies to a pooch, you know, just like I was saying before, because dogs metabolize the old, Theobramine, which is an alkaloid in chocolate, at a much slower rate than humans. And if a dog eats too much too soon, the poor pup can die of painful pancreatitis days later from the chocolate, not the weed. So also, if that's something you're going to look into, don't feed them hash brownies or something like that because the chocolate could do more harm than the weed itself. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully... Hopefully yeah. you won't find yourself, you know, in this situation. You know, none, none of us wants to have our pet have to suffer or anything. But it's just something to put out there. Just explore your options. You know, speak with your vet about it. I, I don't think vets um, are legally able to prescribe no. anything like that right now anyway, even in states where it is legal. But still, you know, just weigh all your options. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of research out there, people. So go out there and do your homework. Do your homework. And this was another very quick show. Um, We hope you guys, you know, got some useful information um, from today's episode. We will be sure to post everything on our Facebook and Twitter page in just a few minutes. And we hope you guys have a great weekend. Be sure to join us next week. We're going to be talking about canine cops. So we will see you then at 5 p.m. Central. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye.